All right, well, Merry Christmas to you. Um, there's probably few things that are more frustrating than looking forward to something and being let down, right? So, for example, you know, maybe there's a movie that's coming out and you're super excited about it. I want to tell you how great it is, and then you go and see it, and you're like, this is not good at all. And you're like, I wish people didn't even tell me it was good because then maybe my expectation would be good. But there's these things, maybe a vacation you saved up for and it wasn't good. I still remember still working through it. Uh, when I was a kid, I had this ingenious idea, you know, when the tooth fairy comes and gives you 50 cents or a dollar. I talked to a kid recently that said they got $5. I'm like, I don't think inflation's that much. But anyway, and so I was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a letter to the tooth fairy asking for a Game Boy. Who remembers Game Boy? All right, okay, the original Game Boy, the Game Boy that, like, you know, you would drive, when your parents were driving you somewhere and it was dark outside, you could no longer play. I mean, that was the struggle, right? And so I was super excited about this, right? It's like, put it under my, my pillow, go to bed, can't wait. Wake up in the morning, and what do you think was under my pillow? It was a handwritten note back to me from the Tooth Fairy, essentially telling me to save up my money if I wanted a Game Boy. Now, I don't know who the Tooth Fairy is. If you happen to find her, let me know because I need to speak with her. But I was really disappointed, right? I was like, this would be great, and it was, it was not. And, and here's why I share that, because this is what happens often this time of year. It's Christmas. It's awesome. It's joyful. There's songs. There's presents. Maybe a few extra parties you go to. It's supposed to be amazing, and yet it may not be like that for you. So maybe you've had a particularly difficult year, maybe a difficult season. Maybe there's a health diagnosis for you or a loved one. Maybe a job that you got laid off of, a relationship that uh, was broken, uh, all these different things. Maybe this year has been specifically, specifically difficult for you. And so as we talk about Christmas being awesome and being joyful, instead of being awesome and joyful, you're sitting here wondering, we're supposed to, we talk about God loving us, but I'm not sure that's actually true. I'm not sure that God actually cares about me or the world. I mean, look at pain and suffering. Look at all these things that are happening. We're supposed to be joyful, and yet I'm not sure that God actually even cares at all. And so what do we do if we're in that predicament? That's what I want to talk about these few minutes I have with you this evening. And so here's what I want us to know as we begin. If that's you, if you're wondering, I'm not sure about this Jesus thing, this thing that we celebrate, I'm not. Here's what I want you to know as we begin, and that's this, that the king has come. The king came. And so we're in this series called Uninvited King. We're talking about this king, this Messiah, Jesus himself, who has come into the world, although he was not asked to come. And then he was uh, uh, betrayed and beaten and modern scored and rejected by the human, the creation that he came for. Why? To give us grace, hope, peace, forgiveness, and love. And so what we know, while we may wonder, does God actually care at all? What we do know is that God actually did come. And here's why that's significant. John chapter 3, verse 16. You can turn there, but it'll also be on the screen if you want to read there. Uh, one of the most well-known passages in the Bible. This is Jesus speaking, and here's what he says. He says, for God, what? What does it say? For God, God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, here's why this is significant. This does not, still does not tell us why God allows difficult things to happen. It doesn't tell us why things don't always work out the way we think they should. But here's what it does tell us, that because the king came, here's what we know, that the king, that God himself actually cares. Again, it doesn't tell us why, why he allows bad things to happen, but here's what we do know, that he does care because if he didn't care, he wouldn't have come. And so his coming radically changes how we view this idea of a distant God who's not really that involved with his creation. It reminds me, I remember one time, I think I was in middle school, I was hanging out with a friend, it was a Saturday, and I didn't live in my neighborhood, so his dad was dropping me back off at my house before my friend had a basketball game. 
And I thought he was going to drop me off at my house and then go to his, my, one of my best friend's games. And instead, what happened was he dropped his son off at the game and then dropped me off at my house. And I remember thinking, wait, what is, why are you not going? Because, you know, for me, both my parents, I'm not saying you need to go to everything that your kid does. But there was never a time where I had a game or an event and both of my parents were available and not one of them came. Like, at least one of them always came if they could. And so I remember being really shocked by this, talking to him later on at, at school, whatever. And he's like, yeah, my dad does this all the time. And, and here's how my, my friend thought his dad viewed him. He thought, because he never came to his sporting events, that his dad did not really care about him. Now, here's what we know. His dad did care about him. He did love him, I'm sure of it, but his son did not feel it because he wouldn't come to anything that he did. And so, again, this doesn't tell us why God may allow things to happen in your life that you don't understand, but it does tell us this. It's not because he doesn't care, because if he didn't care, he wouldn't have come. I'm going to read another passage. It'll also be on the screen. First uh, Peter chapter five. Now, First Peter is written by a guy by the name of Peter. He was one of Jesus's closest disciples, one of the leaders of the early church. And First Peter is written to Christians who are suffering, and they're not suffering because they caught a bad break or because they made some bad decisions, and so they're just living in their consequences. No, they're suffering because they are claiming to be Christians. They're being beaten, marked, starved, some of them killed. They're suffering because they are followers of Jesus. And here's what he's tr- he tells them to encourage them. He says this, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Why? So that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered for a little while. So the question is how? How will God establish, restore, and strengthen us? Here's how. Because of what was made possible by his coming. What was made possible by Christ's coming? That even though us and our sin and our shame, even though we reject God, he has come, not because we're awesome, but because he's awesome, to give us grace, forgiveness, and mercy, not because of anything that you have done or will do, because of what he has done. And all he is calling us to do is to respond to that. He's saying this offer of grace, forgiveness, mercy, and love is available to you, not when you get all your junk together, but when you recognize that I have come for you. In other words, he did everything that was necessary for us to have a relationship with him. We have done nothing. And one day, either when we die and meet Jesus face to face, or if Jesus comes back first and reestablishes his heaven and this new earth, this new kingdom, anyone who is in Christ will get to experience a life of free of pain, suffering, tragedy, loss, grief, anything like that, not because of us, because of what he has done by this uninvited king coming. And this is what he's telling them to remind them. And he ends it by saying this, verse 11, to him, to Jesus, to this king, be dominion forever. Amen. Again, this is possible. Why? Because he cares about us and he's going to exalt us, not because you are awesome, but because he is awesome. And so here's what we need to know if that's true. If it is true that God himself has come into creation, which by the way, I know we kind of talk about it's Christmas, that's an absolutely blow our minds. The king of the universe of everything loved us so much that he came into this world. If that is true, here's what this means for you. No matter what you may be going through, no matter how much pain you may be in, what this means is that the king has not abandoned you. What this means is that the king, God himself, has not abandoned you, even if you aren't sure why he's allowing certain things to happen. I kind of think of it this way. If you're part of New City, you're familiar with my story. If you're not, when I was 19 years old, I lost my dad to a suicide. 
And as you can imagine, it was extremely hard, difficult, you know, last person you would ever think, all of these things. And I remember after losing my dad, so many people would ask how I was doing. And, and I used to get frustrated and upset when certain people asked, but not when other people asked. And here's what I realized. It was the people that actually did something that I knew actually cared when they were asking. Now, to be fair, I was 19. A lot of my friends did not know what to do in that situation. And so, uh, but, but, but the reality was those that actually did something, took me out to dinner, spent time with me, you know, did all these things, went out of their way to show that they cared. When they asked how I was doing, I wanted to talk to them about it. Why? It didn't, it didn't, it didn't answer why God had allowed things to happen, but I knew that they cared because they did something about it. And what we see about Jesus coming to the earth, again, it may not answer your questions, why things have not gone the way that you wanted them to go, why life has not gone the way that you were hoping, why certain things may have happened to you. But what this does mean is he still has not abandoned you even in all of it because he came. And if he didn't care about you and what you were going through, he would not have come. And if that's true, that this king has come, here's what we then need to do. We then need to follow the king. We need to follow this Messiah. Again, if it's true that he has come to give us grace, hope, forgiveness, love, and mercy, then we need to follow the king. And let me just say this if I can. I know it's Christmas and it's like the feel-good story and everything's, you know, holly and jolly and all awesome. And what I want us to remember is that this, we don't gather, we don't talk about Jesus and coming to, for a feel-good story. Now, we talk about this because if this is true, it changes absolutely everything. And not just in the life to come, but in this life as well. This is not just some feel-good story, read the Bible when I feel bad. No, if it's true, then it has practical and radical implication for your life and for your eternity. In fact, Paul says so as much in Romans chapter 3. If you have a Bible, go ahead and flip there. If you don't, you would like to read along. There's a black one somewhere around you. You can pull one of those out. It'll be on page 999. The Apostle Paul, who is also one of the early leaders of the church, is talking about this grace and hope that is given to us in Jesus that came or that was possible by him coming. And here's what he says, uh, Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21. He says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. What he's saying there is that in the Old Testament, you had the Old Testament law that the Israelites were supposed to follow. And although the Old Testament law was good, what it did, part of the reason why God sent the law before he sent the Messiah was to show us that we were not good enough on our own. We could not do this on our own. And so the law in the Old Testament was showing us, no, we need someone who can perfectly fulfill the law, can take this sin and shame on our behalf because we're not good enough. And so that is what the law, the Old Testament, that's what the prophets were talking about. And this righteousness, this Messiah came with Jesus. So verse 22, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe since there is no distinction. So the righteousness, the holiness, the perfection of God is granted to you, not when you do get your stuff together, not when your good works outweigh your bad, but if you follow and accept what Christ has done to you, to anyone, no matter who you are, where you live, no matter your gender, no matter how much money you make, no matter how screwed up you are, if because of what Christ has done, if you follow and trust in him, you are given the righteousness of God. Why? Verse 23 says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's, the, here's what he's saying, that nobody is perfect. And regardless about what you think about God or this whole Jesus thing, you you would even admit that you have sinned. And here's what I mean. If you're okay, I'm not sure about this Jesus thing, not sure this God thing. All of us kind of have our own standard of morality. We all kind of say, here are certain things that are right, here are certain things that are wrong. And regardless of what your standard of morality is, all of us, you and me, have done things that even we would admit are wrong. 
And if we have done things that we would admit are wrong, if it's true that God is, exists and he's true and he's perfect and he's holy and he's just, then he has to do something with our sin. It's not like we can just do all these good works and he's like, ah, oh, forget about it, I don't care. No, he has to do something with it. We've all fallen short of his perfect standards. So verse 24, if that's the case, he then says this, they, talking about those who are followers of Christ, they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, that you are redeemed, not because of when you get your stuff together, but because of him. And so it is not true. Again, in our old culture today, we like to kind of believe, as long as I'm a good person, then everything would work out. And what we need to understand all throughout scripture, we see, no, that is not true. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And I don't, I know it's Christmas, and so I don't want to be, you know, too heavy here. But the reality is, do not, if I can say this, do not be so arrogant to think that you are the exception, that you're going to stand before God and say, I know you sent Jesus I didn't need it. I'm good enough my own. Let me in. Do not do that. It will not go well for you. And there's no need to do that because grace is found in Jesus. That is what he is saying here. Verse 25, God presented him, this Messiah, this king that has come, as an atoning sacrifice in his blood received through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him, Jesus, to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be, the, be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. Again, it's not about you and getting all your stuff together and making sure you give enough money and making sure you read your Bible every day, making sure you pray. No, it's about what Christ has done for you. And if you trust in him, even as you fall short, even as you sin, even as you blow it, there is still grace, forgiveness, and hope for you. And this is what this means. Here's what Paul is telling us. That if it's true that God came to give us a way and hope can only be found in Jesus, what that means is that there is no other way. There is no other way for you and I to enter into God's kingdom but through his grace and kindness and mercy. And as I say that, you may be like, okay, this all sounds nice. God cares for me. He came. But that seems kind of exclusive. It seems kind of mean. It seems kind of narrow to say Jesus is the only way. I'm not sure I, I buy that. I'm not sure I like that. And if that's kind of your pushback, let me just push back to you by saying this, that not only is there no other way, but there is no better way. Think about this way. Think about this way. There's no better way. One of the unique things about Christianity than all philosophies or world religions in the world is that you could know today you're standing before God. And what we see all throughout Scripture is that God loves everyone regardless of whether or not you have rejected or accepted him. He still loves you regardless, but we can know today if we actually trust and follow him that he's given us grace, forgiveness, and help. There's no better way than that. I mean, what are, what are the other options? Okay, I hope I'm a good person, but I don't really know until I die if I make it or not. That's stressful. That's hard. That's like it's all up to me. That's, that's not comforting. That's not that doesn't give me encouragement when I blow it. No, there's no better way than knowing it's not about you, it's about what he has done. And if it's true that this king has come to provide us a way to enter into God's kingdom, not because we're awesome, because, we're, because he's awesome, there is typically, in my experience, three ways that we can respond to this message. There are three ways we can respond to this king coming. Number one is that we can be threatened. Now, nobody says this out loud, but maybe about how we live or what we think, here's what we mean by that. Um, we don't want God telling us how we're supposed to live and what we're supposed to do. And so we're threatened by this idea of this Messiah being true because that might all, uh, radically change how we live our life. Now, God does not love us when we follow him better or obey him more. What we often misunderstand about God, again, if it's true that he created us and he loves us and he knows what gives us the most amount of joy and pleasure in life, when he asks us to do certain things and not to do certain things, it's not so that we will, he will love us more, be more happy with us, it's because he knows that's what ultimately will give us joy. Even if it's hard in the moment to follow and honor him, but we don't do this for him to love us, we do this because it will go better for us in this life and in the life to come. He actually knows what gives us joy and happiness. 
happiness. And so we can't be threatened. We can say, God, I don't want anything to do with you because uh, I want to live my own life. And let me just tell you this. If it's true that Jesus came, you can be threatened, but there is no need to be because grace and hope is offered and available to you. So that's one thing we can do. We can be threatened by this so we can reject God. Here's the second thing we can do. We can be indifferent. This is probably the biggest one in our culture today. We can say, okay, this all sounds good, but maybe... Maybe I'll do this whole Jesus thing when I have kids or when I get older and when I want to settle down. Then maybe, you know, after a big life crisis. Then, and so we're just indifferent until something in our life happens or maybe it never happens for us to kind of seriously consider Jesus and all that he means for us. And so that is the, probably the biggest answer we can do to respond to Jesus. We can say, I'm indifferent to this. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure I really care right now. Maybe down the road. And let me just tell you, that is a response that many people have. But that is a terrible response, and here's what, not not in like a guilt way, but how could you be indifferent, again, if it is true that this king has come to give you grace, uh, forgiveness, love, and mercy, not because of you, but in spite of you. You can be indifferent to that, but why would you want to be, right? So you can be threatened, you can be indifferent, or here's what you can do. You and I, we can worship. Now, obviously, I'm biased here, but I think this is the best option, right? We can say, okay, I understand the grace and mercy and love that Christ has given me in the midst of my doubts and questions and not sure I'm even understanding why he allows certain things to happen. We can still worship him in that. Even as I fall, even as I stumble, even as I mess up, there is grace, forgiveness, and love for me. And so it causes us to follow and honor him, not to make us love him more or him to love us more, but in response out of thankfulness of what he has done for us. And one of the things that's interesting to me uh, about Christianity is oftentimes a lot of people who aren't Christians look at Christians and they call them hypocrites, right? Now, sometimes that absolutely is justified. We say you've got to live a certain way, and then we don't do it ourselves. But what so many people misunderstand about Christianity, which, I, which is why I think the term hypocrite sometimes can be unfair, is because it is because we know and understand that we are messed up and screwed up that we're following Jesus. We don't follow Jesus after we get everything figured out. No, we follow Jesus because we admit our need for a Savior. And so oftentimes we can look at Christians and be like, aren't you a Christian? You shouldn't be doing that. And, the, and in response, be like, I know, but that's why I'm following Jesus, because I need his grace and his mercy. That is why Christ came, not to save people who have everything figured out, but to save people who don't have anything figured out. And so it's not hypocritical at all to follow Jesus in the midst of your sin and your shame and your blowing it, because that is why he has come, and he's only asking us to be honest with ourselves and honest for our need for a Savior. That is why Jesus came. Now, you may be thinking this all sounds good, but it's Christmas and you're a pastor, so you're supposed to say these things. And so to that, here's what I want to do. We have something called the $5 Give Club here at New City Church. We invite people to give an additional $5 once, anytime during the month, and then we give it to a nonprofit or family in need. And so this month's $5 recipient that we're about to show here on the screen, instead of me just telling you that in the midst of your doubts and questions, God is still good and God still cares, we thought we would share with you a family who is going through something unimaginably difficult in their life right now so you can see how this Jesus thing is not some feel-good story but can radically change not just the life to come but this life as well. So turn your attention to the screen. Hey, New City, and welcome back to the $5 Give Club, where we believe that through small amounts, we can make a huge impact. I'm currently standing in Cross Point Community Church, where I was able to sit down with the lead pastor, Randall, and his wife, Amber, as they share the story of their granddaughter, Georgia May. As we look around during the Christmas season, joy is everywhere, but the reality is that people and families are walking through unthinkable pain. We cannot wait to share with you their story of what it looks like to have hope in the midst of suffering and how your generosity made an impact this month.
So we're sitting here with my new friends Randall and Amber. Um, Randall is the pastor here at Cross Point Church in Nightdale, and they have an incredible story, um, something that I think is going to be very encouraging, um, might be difficult to hear, but nevertheless encouraging. And so why don't you go ahead and in introduce yourselves a little bit? I'm Amber, as you said, and I'm Randall's wife. <laughs> uh, my name is Randall, and uh, we've we started our church here at Cross Point 13 years ago, and so that's been a, quite a journey. So yeah. I, I love what you guys are doing. So, so tell us a little bit about these last few months in your lives, your daughter's life. What's that been like? So one Friday, August the 3rd, we were having dinner. I was cooking for those that were coming, and uh, about the time everybody was supposed to show up, we uh, got sort of a, a phone call from my daughter who said that our granddaughter, Georgia May, she said she's not felt well, she's not acting right. So eventually uh, they decided to take her to the doctor and then they sent him to the emergency room and then the emergency room sent him to Chapel Hill. The tests started coming back and that sort of began our journey. Within, I'd say 24 hours, we had a diagnosis of high-risk neuroblastoma. So which, which is, you know, stage four cancer. And, um, you know, so, processing that and just wrapping our mind around this precious four-year-old child that we loved so dearly. Yeah, and what would you say, because someone hearing this, and, and maybe someone walking through this themselves, would might look at a situation like Georgia Mays and look at God and say, how can that God be loving? How have you wrestled through that? What would your answer be for not just your own lives, but for someone maybe asking that question? You know, I don't feel God's love because there's no way that a loving God could let this happen. What would your answer be? Jeremiah 29, 11 reminds us this plans for us are for good, not to harm us. And so how do you appropriate neuroblastoma, your grandkid? And we had bargained. I have, I have done all the bargaining. I've done all the praying. God, give it to me, you know, and, 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 and heal her. And we really do believe God's gonna heal her. But, but more than that, we believe God is going, is up to something good with this. And so as we walk through, quite honestly, a painful journey, we know that God uses pain not to get us attention, not to garner sympathy, not to simply punish people who do good and then good things happen, bad, bad things happen. Uh, but God uses, God uses the appropriate amount of things in our life and, and perfectly well to teach us and to shape us. He knows exactly what we need in order for us to be what He needs us to be. But it has is, it is shaken us at times, quite honestly. It just has. How can we be praying as a church, as people who hear this story, how can we be praying for your family? Well, uh, obviously we would like for people to continue to pray for healing, yeah. complete healing. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, we ask that, again, the, the obvious things, but also we really want lives to be changed. We don't, if at, at the end of the day, you know, we can see people that have come to Christ because of it, how beautiful is that? Can we, I personally cannot explain why God does it allows things like this to happen, but every day I wake up, every day since August the 3rd, and I have just had to ask God to renew my joy and my faith every day, and He does. 
And you know, it, it, there's days that are hard. And I can, I've had days where I've been angry. I'm not going to lie. And if y'all need to edit that out, I understand. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, they're, they're not all joyous days. They're not all happy days. But honestly, at the end of the day, we know whose we are. And we know that he has her. And that he has a plan. And that none of this, none of this caught him off guard or by surprise. None of it. And that's what makes this whole thing incredible, is that in the face of something that I think is the most unimaginable, I don't think you would have ever thought that your family would have been in this situation. It's, it's kind of where our faith meets, I guess where the rubber meets the road. It's real life. What, yeah, what does my, my faith in real life, when, when they collide, what does that look like? And I think your story is encouraging. It's full of hope, even though it's in dark times right now. And we wanted to film this because we believe that you are going to encourage a lot of people. You're already doing that through, you know, pray for, for Georgia May. We see that on Facebook and people are keeping up. I think you'll have like 18,000 people following Georgia May's story right. on Facebook. So there's a lot of encouragement coming through this. And so we wanted to hear your story, share your story with our church and with, with our people. But even more so than that, we wanted to tangibly support y'all. And so once we heard your story, we have something at New City called the $5 Gift Club, where we, we invite everybody at New City to give an additional five or $10 on top of their monthly offering. And once we heard your story, we knew that y'all had to be the recipients. And so more than hearing your story, we wanted to tangibly show y'all a way that, that you don't even know us, but we wanna help you however we can. And so I know you have a GoFundMe going for Georgia May right now, but this is our largest gift club to date at New City. And so we have a check for $800. Oh, Whatever so this looks like for y'all towards the family, um, for, for medical bills for Christmas, however this can help, this is for you. Well, thank you. Sweet, thank you very thank you. much. Well, thank, thank, you. thank you for this it's show of so generosity. Kind. It's been very, very kind. We feel like he's creating a story, his story, in the middle of her life mm. that we get sort of in the splash zone of. And so we really are excited about how God's going to use this and what he's going to do in her. We think it's going to completely redirect her life in a great way. It can't help but do that yeah. once she comprehends the story of, yeah. of what God's doing. So thank you again. This is crazy generous. So thank you, your church. And, and uh, so we're just blown away. So thank you for your generosity to make that happen. And as I close this evening, here's what I want us to take away from this message, and that's simply this, that how you respond to the king determines everything. What you do with this Messiah that comes, that has come for you and for me, determines not just this life, but the life has come. And you need to know, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how much you think you have blown it, that God loves you so much. And that is exactly why he came. Again, how you respond to the king determines everything. I want to read something real quick. Uh, John chapter 16, it'll be on the screen. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he's telling them about how he's going to die soon, be betrayed, all these things that are going to happen. And here's what he tells them. He then says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will, not might, not could, you will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. He's talking to his disciples, right, who are supposed to be the holiest people. They were with him and stuff. What does he say? You will have suffering. Nobody, no matter how much you love Jesus or don't love Jesus, is immune from suffering. You will have suffering. 
but I have conquered the world to invite you into my kingdom, not because you're awesome, because of the grace that I'm going to spill out for you. That is why I came. And the last thing I'll read is in Philippians uh, chapter 2. This is, uh, again, the Apostle Paul writing, uh, writing to believers. And he says, basically telling us this is, that this is God's response to sin and suffering and pain in the world. And here's what he says. He says, verse 5, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. So if we're supposed to follow Jesus, here's what Jesus did for us. Verse 6, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, which again is absolutely should blow our minds that God, the king of the universe, came in human form. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is why Christ came. Verse 9, For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What does he say here? He does not say only those who trust in him will bow and confess. He says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The question is, will we bow out of gratitude and thankfulness, or will we bow out of shame? Will we confess that Lord Jesus is Lord when we see him face to face out of gratitude and thankfulness that we are in God's kingdom? Or will it be out of our shame because we rejected him? And so we, so we want nothing to do with God. And so God is going to grant us that wish and give us eternity away from him. This is why Christ came, to give you grace, hope, and forgiveness, not when you've got it all figured out, but because you don't figure it out. And he, he loves you so much again. How you respond to the king determines everything. In the midst of your pain, suffering, and doubts, he's not asking you to have it all together. He's just inviting you to come. So no matter how you may be feeling this Christmas season, no matter what may be going on in your life, you need to know that no matter what you may be going through, no matter the difficulties you may be facing, it is not because God doesn't love you. It is not because God doesn't care. Because if God didn't care, he wouldn't have come. And how we respond to the king determines absolutely everything about who we are in this life and the life to come. This is the good news of the gospel, that God loves you so much that he came. And so the band's going to play a song. The lyrics will be on the screen. We just invite you to stay seated and listen to these lyrics talking about this king that has come and reflect on what this message might mean to you, whether maybe tonight's the night that you give your life to Jesus or maybe you just need to be encouraged that God loves you. So reflect on that and listen as the band plays.